Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. And welcome back to our podcast. We talked in our last podcast about the chemistry of flavor and fragrance. And we're going to start out this podcast also talking about flavor. Now, flavor, as we said before, is uh, a chemical response, a biological response, a physical response. And depending on where on your tongue and what chemicals hit your tongue, you will taste different flavors. Like if you're looking for something sweet, you're going to taste it on the front of your tongue. Those are going to be proteins, carbohydrates, sugars. And if you're looking for something salty, it's slightly behind where you taste sweet. You're going to get those alkali metals and sodium. And those are ion channel receptors getting those uh, positive ions and giving you that salty flavor. If you're really liking sour, then the sides of your tongue is very activated by different acids. If you like bitter, then that's the back of your tongue where you have things like phenols and catechins and they're uh, activating taste receptors. And if you like that umami, that kind of proteiny, kind of unctuous taste, well, those are amino acids and caffeines and things like that, and those you taste down the center of your tongue. What we're going to talk today about, though, is the popularity of hot, spicy, hot sauces, hot peppers, those screaming sauces that make your eyes weep and your face go red. This whole category of spicy foods, spicy peppers, spicy sauces, well, there are thousands and thousands of brands and they're generating over $240 million in sales. It is the eighth fastest growing industry in the country. Hot sauce is very, very popular. And why do people like hot sauces? Why do people like things hot? Well, there's some belief that this might be genetic. Maybe you're genetically predisposed to like hot foods. And there's also the thing that if you are in a culture that hot foods are part of the culture, over time the taste buds become desensitized. Then there's also a theory that some personality types, the ones who go skydiving and are adventurous and thrill seekers and adrenaline seekers, they're the ones who like these hot sauces or these hot tastes because it's like a thrillist personality. And they just kind of enjoy the rush. And there is a chemical reaction, so you can release endorphins by exposing yourself to really spicy food. The process of tasting spicy food or understanding what spicy food is, is something called chemothesis. And this is more of a combination of, of different things. This is not just it hitting your taste buds. This is when these chemical compounds activate tissues other than your taste buds, and it will create a sensation, a sensation of pain, pressure, touch, uh, hot or cold. So if you have a seasoning or an herb or a medicine that gives you a coolness, it's actually directly acting on your trigeminal nerve and your sensors for cold. This is where you get those cool touches. So if you have a cool menthol mint or a Tic Tac that's cold, it's activating that, that uh, TRMP8 ion channel and it's directly stimulating that nerve and giving you a sensation of coolness. So this is also where you find cooling gels like herbal icy hots and things like that, activating and tripping that sensory nerve for coolness. 
On the other side of the coin, you have the spicy, the hot flavors. These produce pain in your tongue, your mouth, your eyes, your membranes. That's why if you get hot pepper oil or um, different concentrates on your mucous membranes, or if you have a cut, it, will, it can burn. It's because it's producing a pain response that it has nothing really to do with your tongue or your taste buds. It's more acting on the nerves. And that's where we see the capsaicin and the red peppers or the piperine and the black pepper coming into play. As I said, the active ingredients that make hot peppers and hot sauces hot are capsaicins, and those are found on the interior seed membranes. Some people think it's the seeds. It's not really the seeds. It's those white membranes that the seeds are attached to the inside of the pepper with. Now, capsaicin is a vanilloid, and it binds to a receptor called the vanilloid receptor subtype 1, or TRPV1. When it binds to it, it keeps that receptor open. This receptor is a non-selective cation channel, meaning it's a positive ion channel that can be activated by a lot of different stimuli. So it gets activated if the temperature is more than 43 degrees C or 109 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you have a really hot beverage or hot soup scalding, it activates that sensor and it gives you that feeling of, oh my God, something's hot. It can be activated by very acidic conditions. So if you have a very something very acidic and it burns, you feel a burn, that's because it activates that channel. Then you have something like in uh, mustard or wasabi, you have something called allyl isothionate. And it's a very pungent compound that can open up that channel and give you a signal of hot. That's why Chinese mustard or wasabi tastes very hot because it, it activates that chemical, activates and opens that channel. And finally, we have capsaicin in hot peppers, which activates and opens that channel. During the activation of the TRPV1, cations or positive ions pass through the cell membrane and into the cell. And it stimulates the brain by depolarizing the neuron. So it gives a signal over and over and over again that it's hot, it's hot, it's hot. And capsaicin will produce similar sensations to abrasiveness or excessive heat. And so the brain really thinks that something hot is, is touching the receptor. Now, after it's been continuously activated, uh, you're given a temporary endorphin release. So you get kind of, after this has been going on for a while, you get a release of endorphins. And it fatigues those nerves. It kind of starts to, to wear down the neurotransmitters, depletes the neurotransmitters and then you start to have some blockage of pain. So that's why even if you eat hot food, you can eat it for a while and then sort of, as you're kind of getting into the food, it doesn't quite taste as hot as when you first started. Or if you play, apply some sort of topical heat like a, an icy hot or a, a Bengay or something like that, that, that feels hot, that will then deplete the receptors and you, that pain will start to get blocked. So you've been eating your favorite hot food and you're kind of like, oh my God, this is burning. How do I stop the burn? Or maybe you ordered something and you ordered it mild, but it came out spicy. You're going, well, how long is it going to take or what can I do to stop it? Well, the time it takes for this depletion of these neurotransmitters and endorphins really depends on what type, the chemistry of, of the hot sauce or the hot stuff that you're, you're eating and the amount of it. So capsaicin is a nonpolar molecule, and it has a very long hydrocarbon tail. So you think of it as has a ring and a very long tail afterward. That makes it very hydrophobic. It does not like water. It does not dissolve in water. It binds very strongly, however, with other things similar to it. And what's similar to it? Well, lipoproteins, um, different fats, things like that. So 
the mechanism itself means that if you're eating fatty foods or food that have dairy in it, which with casein in it, that will break the bond with capsaicin, so capsaicin will release. It's also, capsaicin is also soluble in over 5% alcohol. So if you're gonna have a beer, it's not gonna do much, but if you have a shot of, of whiskey or something like that, that can bind to the capsaicin and also pull it away from the receptors. But it's not water. Like we said, it's not water soluble. So drinking a glass of water is only gonna spread the oils around your mouth and is really not gonna do anything for the burn. Now the amount that you, uh, that you eat and the amount that you drink are also going to, going to affect how long and how strong the burn is going to be. So how do you measure the burn? Well, most of the world talks about the Scoville scale. And Scoville scale is the measure of pungency or spicy heat of chili peppers and other spicy foods. And it's reported in Scoville heat units or SHU. And it's a function of the capsaicin concentration. It was developed by an American pharmacist named Wilbur Scoville, and he devised it in 1912. And it was known as the Scoville organoleptic test. Now, in order to establish a Scoville unit, what they do is they take a very dry chili pepper and they extract it using alcohol. After it's extracted, the extracts are then diluted at different set levels with sugar and water to multi-point dilutions. So they have a 100-time dilution, a 200-time dilution, a 500-time dilution, and then they get five testers, a minimum of five expert panelists. And they will then do empirical testing, and they'll be given increasing concentrations of dilutions until all of them agree that they can, they can sense heat. Um, once they sense heat, at least three of the five testers sense heat, then that is determined to be the Scoville units, and they're measured in 100 Scoville units. So the SHU is the Scoville heat unit, and that's actually the dilution level that, that heat is achieved at. That can go all the way up to pure capsaicin, and pure capsaicin has a Scoville unit of 16 million SHUs. Now, critics of this say that it's kind of subjective. You're using taste testers. So we are living in the age of instrumentation and science. We should be doing different things. So they've created new units called pungency units. And these are measured by modern HPLC. And one unit is one part per million of capsaicin. Now, to, to just put it in perspective, one pungency unit is about a 15th or 1 15th of a Scoville unit. And when we look at the, the heat, we're looking at primarily two compounds. We're looking at capsaicin and dihydrocapsaicin. They make the better part of 90% of all of the capsaicin compounds and where the heat comes from. Now, if you like hot peppers, there's a whole range of hot peppers that you could be, could be eating. Everything from a bell pepper, which has a Scoville unit of zero, through something like a, a wax or a jalapeno, which is 10,000 Scoville units. If you like the bird's eye chilies, those are 200,000 Scoville units. If you like the viper or the ghost pepper, that's 1 million Scoville units, all the way up to the hottest documented pepper right now, which is the Carolina Reaper at 2 million Scoville units. There are a few other peppers that are trying to, trying to top the Carolina Reaper, uh, but right up to now, the, the, the latest I've seen is Carolina Reaper still officially has that title. Now, what about pepper spray, you might ask? 
Well, pepper stray is up to 5 million Scoville units, so at least double the Carolina Reaper. That's why if you've ever been sprayed with pepper spray or you've gotten pepper oil on your pepper spray on your hands and you've gotten it in a tissue, it really burns because it is twice or almost more than twice as hot as that Carolina Reaper pepper. How about hot sauce? There is a cult of hot sauces. There are whole stores, whole online websites just to sell hot sauces. And there are a lot of hot sauce fans. There are more than 5 million hot sauce challenges around the world. And fans really start to acclimate to that, that hot you know, that hot sauce, and they want to get hotter and hotter. Now, in 2013, 2014, uh, Sriracha actually got in trouble with their neighbors. The neighbors were suing because they believed that Sriracha was putting out toxic waste, that the fumes coming off of it were damaging their health. So there was a very big co controversy over the offensive odors uh, of the Sriracha factory. So the base of most hot sauces, of course, is chili peppers, which were discovered in the Americas. And most modern chili peppers come from India. There are five different varieties of chili peppers. The ones that we are most familiar with are the first three. The first is anum, which contains cayenne, jalapenos, and bell peppers. Frutens, which are Tabasco and Thai peppers. And then the Chinese, which is the habanero, the scotch bonnet, and the Carolina reaper. Then you have all your other base ingredients, water, vinegar, different spices, different additives. So where does your favorite rank? Now, if you are like me and a lot of other hot sauce lovers who use hot sauce almost like ketchup, then you probably know about, the, about Frank's, because and their commercial says it well, they put that bleep on everything. So that goes uh, in my house on eggs, in soup, on meatloaf. So this becomes basically our ketchup. And it's not real hot on the Scoville unit scale. It's about 450 Scoville units. Now, if you're from Louisiana, well, you're kind of in there with the Franks at about 450. If Texas Pete is yours, then that's about 750 Scoville units. If you like Cholula from Mexico, that's about 1,000. And along with that is the Tabasco Green. If you like Sriracha, that's about 2,200 Scoville units. And if you're a uh, from Louisiana like Crystal, that's about 4,000 Scoville units. The original Tabasco is about 5,000 Scoville units. And the Buffalo Wild Wings Blazing Sauce, if you go and get Buffalo Wild Wings, that is about 350,000 Scoville units. So those are some the rankings of some of the famous hot sauces we all love and enjoy. Now, we did a couple of studies when it came to red peppers and hot sauces. We looked at different things, chili powders, red pepper flakes, chili. We looked at different spice blends. We looked at regular hot sauces and, and organic hot sauces. We were looking for a few different things. We wanted to find out what the capsaicin content was. What, what were, you get, were you getting what you were paying for? We also wanted to find out if it had any heavy metals. So when we looked at the capsaicin, we found that there was capsaicin in all of our red pepper products, um, and all the levels seemed to be in the in the about 1,500 uh, ppm level. And so you were definitely getting capsaicin in your crushed red peppers or your cayenne peppers. Now, if you were actually looking for uh, heavy metals, you were also getting that with your with your red peppers. We did find a lot of cadmium and lead. Uh, even in some of our products that were considered to be organic, we found up to 2 ppm of lead in some of our red pepper samples. 
So that was a bit disturbing. What was even more disturbing though, when we started looking at heavy metals in our hot sauces, we looked at all different types of hot sauces, including we have a little Chinese restaurant near our office and we go there at lunch and we get our, get our lunch specials and on the counter they have those bright red pink packets of hot sauce and we all grab a handful. And I know for me, I usually put about two packets or more on my, on my food and each packet we weighed, it was about 10 grams. And what we found was there were 21 parts per million of lead in those two packets of hot sauce. So I was putting 27%, almost 30% of my daily allowance for lead in my food uh, with these two hot sauce packets. So, I mean, I guess the first clue should be that, that the, the sauce was bright pinkish red. So I, I might have gotten the glow-in-the-dark thing and, and decided that that, that might have been a problem there to begin with. But that was pretty surprising. And there were some other brands of hot sauce that did have significant amounts of lead, up to 10 or 15 or 20 uh, parts per million of lead in what you'd consider you'd put on your food. When we looked at the economic cost of capsaicin, we found out that you were actually getting what you pay for. So just the concentration of capsaicin versus the cost of what you pay for it, when you were getting the, the dollar store or the free little packets, you were really getting what you paid for. You were getting low amounts of capsaicin, but, uh, but you know, you were also not really paying anything for it. When you were getting an organic hot sauce, you were actually getting more capsaicin. So you were getting a higher amount of capsaicin, but you were also paying a higher price for it. So I hope uh, I've given you a little bit of insight into the world and chemistry of hot sauces. And I hope you join us again for our next podcast. And we'll talk to you later. Spec Speak Science is presented by Spec Certiprep, a leading manufacturer of certified reference materials and calibration standards for analytical spectroscopy and chromatography. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more can be found at specsertiprep.com. Thank you for listening to Spec Speak Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.